I'm Ed Hat. I'm here with uh, Laren Flint today. Hello. I uh, don't know what time of day you're listening to this, but uh, this is one where you have to uh, listen with your heart just a little bit. We're going to be reading from uh, Matthew 11:20 20 through 30, and I'm going to get started here. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, uh, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it'll be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you'll go down in Hades. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Saddam, it uh, would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal to him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, Ed, what, uh, what jumps out at you from this passage? Laren, I must admit this didn't jump out at me right away, but... Um, you know, what I realize is often my worry um, comes out of the fact that my circumstances don't quite match my expectations. It's not easy or natural to surrender my expectations and trust that God is working in the midst of my troubling circumstances. When I do that, however, I find rest and peace. Laren, you um, wanted to do this passage especially because of its uh, final three verses. Um, these have a special place in your heart and faith journey. Can you tell us a little bit about your story and why these verses are so meaningful to you? Sure. Uh, when I teach, I usually like to do so with a like an overall order in my mind to help people track with me easily from point A to point B, but this might be a little jumbled, so uh, I apologize ahead of time for that. Um, verses 28 through 30 read, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. These verses, especially, have a special place in my heart due to their role in helping me move away from legalism and towards a healthier walk with God. Uh, you know this, Ed, but I, I grew up as a pastor's son, not only in a highly conservative denomination, mm -hmm. but in a very legalistic corner of that denomination. My parents had their own baggage, like all parents do, but the amount of performance focus and conditional love in our home during my childhood served to compound that legalism of the denomination into something supersized. I'm thankful that the denomination preached a, you know, a stripped-down gospel of, we can't earn our salvation by works, thus Jesus is the answer to our sin problem. You know, that was good, uh, and I honor my parents for preaching Jesus as the Christ. Uh, through their teaching, I, I did choose Christ as my Savior at a very young age. 
Uh, and even though I didn't understand it at the time, I felt the Holy Spirit's joy presence at that time as my spirit came alive. But in that spiritual environment, it didn't take long until I felt that my young, unsophisticated prayer wasn't good enough. Mm. Uh, so I, I prayed to be saved again. <laughs> and as I kept learning more incrementally, I, I found myself praying more salvation prayers. Um, you know, after all, this isn't something to be taken lightly, right? Eternity is at stake here. Um, and really, my whole life was a performance, if I can call it that. Uh, trying hard to please both my parents and God. I loved them both, but nothing ever seemed good enough. Scripture was heavily emphasized in our denomination, and even as a young child, I took, I took God and his commands seriously. I knew God was holy, and he couldn't tolerate sin in his presence. He'd called us to be holy as, he's in, as he is holy in First Peter. Verses like, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Earlier in Matthew and and first John's, no one who's born of God will continue to sin, haunted and uh, tore at me inside. I felt this way because despite all my good-hearted trying, I knew I wasn't perfect. I kept sinning, uh, but I loved God very much and I didn't want to fail him. So <laughs> I confessed my sins again and again. I tried ever harder not to sin, but I could never quite get there. Uh, I remember one time I spent over 45 minutes in my bedroom trying to confess one particular sin, quote-unquote, right. Um, I lived in a constant low-grade state of guilt, uh, punctuated with spikes that made me hide my sin from others. Wow, Laren, that, that sounds tremendously uh, painful, um, enslaving. Um, making me think, you know, Satan loves to take partial truths and link them uh, with uh, feelings of guilt and condemnation, falling short, really just to try to discourage us. Um, yeah. You know, he wants us to move away from God at the very time when we desperately need him near to us. Yeah. Uh, in, in this passage in Matthew, um, those whom Jesus invited to rest, the, the weary and the burdened, were weary and burdened specifically by the law and how the law was taught. That's what exhausted them. Um, these were people who deeply cared about doing what's right, people who wanted to please God and obey him. After all, in, indifferent believers don't get exhausted by spiritual burdens, right? Mm. A casual believers seldom get caught up in legalism. I, I remember looking at these verses, <laughs> Matthew eleven twenty through 30, at a certain point in my my healing journey and feeling really troubled at how little my Christian life matched Jesus' yoke. How I felt each day and the way I lived my spiritual life simply didn't match up uh, to Jesus' words, jarringly so. Mm. The burden I carried was definitely not light. The, the yoke I was trying to bear was not easy, uh, but yet I was saved. How could this be? How could I know Jesus and my yoke feel so heavy? I grew up in a scripture-saturated spiritual environment, so I knew, I knew that grace existed. It was a real thing. Uh, what I didn't understand was how Jesus and the law intersected, and I didn't understand the mechanic of the law, what happens when someone places himself under the Mosaic law. Hey, uh, definition time out here, Laren. Um, just for everybody, the Mosaic law, and I had to look this up myself to make sure I had it right, is the law of Moses, 
found in the first five books of the Hebrew Bible called the Torah, which in English means the law. And the Torah contains like 613 commands, uh, the most famous of which, of course, are the Ten Commandments. So, okay, Laren, uh, carry on. Right. Uh, for those who studied the Mosaic Law in the Old Testament, it was thorough, and in terms of righteousness, it was beautiful and important. And it still is, in, in fact, important. Uh, if we're not at a place where we understand that our own righteousness isn't good enough for God and can never, ever be good enough, we'll enter the law. That's what it's best at. Mm-hmm. Ed, Ed, the law has a, a wonderful mechanic, something I call in a really majestic spiritual terms, the, the bug zapper light effect. That's very spiritual. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the law presents the righteousness of God in action doing terms. Over 600 of them can be found in the Torah. And if, if someone were to perfectly obey the law in its entirety of do's and don'ts, not only outwardly, but from the heart, as Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, that person would be righteous in his behavior. Uh, in In this sense, the law stands as man's best chance to be self-righteous, to be a self-made holy man. Um, The law stands shiny uh, and deceptively doable, if I can say that, for those who haven't tested their mettle against it in earnest. Um, Even if we take only the Ten Commandments, uh, they seem somewhat doable if if we were to mount our full will and all our energy to do them, right? Yeah, like I got this. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But the truth lurking under the law's beauty is that it's not actually achievable for us. And that's its job, to function as a a bug zapper light. Uh, (laughs) Romans 7 describes what it's like to try to obey the law, to really throw everything we have into pleasing God through our own efforts. A bug zapper light draws insects to it, right? It's sure. it's beautiful. It's shiny. Uh, but what seems like life turns out to be death for bugs, right? The law works similarly. Uh, if I can say it this way, the law gleams with righteousness. Love God. Don't covet. Don't steal. It's morally pure. But whenever we place ourselves under the law as a rule set, it draws our sinful fleshly side out into the light. The harder we try, the more it arouses sin. And this is not the fault of the law. It is holy and righteous. It's us who aren't. Mm. And the law proves this time and again until we give up and say, God is righteous and holy and confounded, I'm not. I'm convinced that my best efforts at righteousness will fail. I'm, I'm done. I need a pinch hitter. And that's where I was buried and wrestling and stuck and without realizing it proving to myself over and over that my best intentions and efforts to be holy through my own muscle wouldn't work it couldn't work while i wasn't trying to obey the laundry list of civil and lifestyle you know laws found in the old testament during my early christian years i'd created what essentially was a new testament version of the law for myself i'd i'd placed rules on myself based on scripture and what i'd been taught Read the Bible every day, go to church every Sunday, never lie, never lust, or be proud, never use coarse language, obey God and my parents perfectly. You know, I tried to live by these standards. Uh, these were my life rules. And this law worked on me with the same efficient mechanic of the Mosaic Law. The harder I threw myself at it, the more it proved to me that my self-made righteousness wasn't righteous. It chewed me up and spit me out. Larry and I, I know that there are people who are listening today 
um, that are weary and burdened. And it's easy to blame that on our circumstances or to end up feeling worthless or discouraged. After what you said, I'm thinking that we are feeling this way because there is an area in our own lives where we're still kind of living under that law and perhaps focused on our expectations and our efforts. What's, what's the cure? Yeah. Uh, the fact is, uh, my own righteousness was unrighteous before and after I was saved. Mm. Uh, Laren's righteousness is not what was saved by Christ. Uh, Laren was. <laughs> you know, I, I needed Jesus' righteousness on both sides of salvation, not just before. I didn't need Jesus to wipe my slate initially and then hand me the responsibility. You know, here, I've cleansed you from your past sin. Take it from here if you love me. Uh, I, I couldn't handle it from there. We as, we as Christians never graduate from our need for substitutionary righteousness. This is not a salvation of starting by faith and being passed the baton to maintain our righteousness through our own care. Uh, this functions to keep us glued to Jesus by faith, humble and rooted in God's love by very real necessity. Yet this is what makes the easy yoke easy. Jesus' substitutionary righteousness uh, makes his yoke easy and his burden light. How I started my relationship with God by faith in Jesus, led by the Spirit, is how I need to keep living afterwards. Banking on Jesus for my performance and my perfection is what moved me out from under the, the law's hamster wheel. Jesus did not come to destroy the law and its mechanic. He came to fulfill it so completely and so thoroughly that those of us who rest in his righteousness are, are covered by his fulfillment. And boy, did I, did I ever need that. Wow. Hey, I'm wondering if, you know, there's someone else out there today that needs to hear that as well and take that yoke of striving um, off to please God. Um, I know, Laren, you and I have both tried hard to please God and in our own muscle and good intentions. Um, so we're just asking that if, if any of you listening are hurting you want to ask us questions about grace and how to find freedom in Christ, um, please do so. We'd, we'd love to have a, a real-life conversation with you about this um, because we, we believe that you dearly matter to God. Let's pray. Father, you know our hearts, and you know there are people listening that they really they do want to please you, and they, they want to see your power in their life and their, your power through them. Um, but they're getting in the way of that. And um, so I just ask that in your way, um, your gentle, loving way, that uh, you might do that today, that you might um, push them out of the way, um, allow them to um, realize that it's not their righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ um, that um, really has set them free. And may they experience that freedom in their life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Christ's grace be on you all.